0: If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm Robbie Ederberg, one of the pastors, and I'm wondering if you have ever tried to assemble one of these. We've got a picture for you. You ever tried to assemble this? Your own dresser? Yeah, many a marriage has been tested on the rocks of furniture assembly, haven't they? (laughs) And many words that shan't be uttered under any other circumstances have been uttered under the frustrations of Particle Board refusing to receive a screw, right? It's just the amount of frustration can be incredible. But if you've tried to assemble one of these, then you know the steps. You First, you're supposed to open the box. And then if we click on the next slide, you're supposed to figure out, do I have all of the parts that I need for this thing. Well, I mean, come on, there's a billion parts for some of these pieces of furniture. And so let's be honest, none of us actually checks to make sure if all of the parts are there. We just move on and go to the instructions. And you're supposed to be able to understand what these instructions actually mean, right, without a degree in industrial engineering. So you go through, and this is step one on the left, obviously, and so once you complete that, you move on to steps two and three, and then click to the next slide. You get to steps 50 and 51, and bada boom, bada bing, you've got a dresser. It only took basically your entire extended weekend. You probably have some repairing to do in your relationships, and you may have some holes in the wall that you also have to repair now, right? This, this actual dresser is uh, known as, the, I think it's the Hemnes dresser from Ikea, and it is ranked on the internet as one of the top seven most difficult things to assemble from Ikea. So you can have all of the pieces that you need, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to build a dresser in the end, does it? Which we have that experience, I think, in a lot of different other facets of our lives. And we're going to be jumping into that tonight as we continue our sermon series that we started last week. Sermon series called What Matters in the End. In this series, we're walking through the second letter of Peter's to the churches. And this is Peter's final letter and even more so Peter's final words, perhaps. At least those words that he intended for the church to hear and to know. Peter knows, as he's writing this, that his own execution is coming and it's coming soon. And so he's given this letter to really emphasize what are the things of most importance. What are those things that are on his mind weighing heavy as he sees his own end coming? And so last week we began with the the core, the most important parts are about faith, the faith that we receive as a gift from God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the grace and abundance that can be yours and mine in increasing abundance through our knowledge of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And so he starts out with these core truths, and that's just in his address of the letter. And tonight we're moving into the body, the core. Tonight begins to talk to us about how do we live? What's most important in terms of the way we actually live our lives? And what he's going to tell us is that you've got all the parts, and now put them all together. And so we're going to jump into 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 15, and if you want, you can follow along on the screen. Otherwise, you can just allow God's Word to fill your mind and your heart and your soul this evening. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me and I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. And let's pray as we move into this together. Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit that you have promised us, that you have given us, to be at work. or We've made this space. We've made room for you in our schedule. Help us to make room for you in our minds and our will that you can move and have your way. Lord, lead us. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So right at the beginning of the body of his letter, Peter tells them and tells us that Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need. We've got it already. When you have that faith in him that Jesus has died the death that we deserve to die, has rose again, risen again from the dead then we have all that we need. Does it seem that way? Is that how you live day to day? That you have everything that you need? What would it look like if we lived more fully like that? Like if you really, if we really believed it, we really had full confidence in it, we really knew to the core of our being that we have everything that we need. What do you think that would look like? What would the experience of that be like? Do you think we would get nearly as stressed out? Do you think we would worry about so many of the things that we worry about? I think that we probably would be a lot less frantic. We would experience a level of peace and confidence and focus and intentionality. We wouldn't find ourselves like feeling like we're getting thrown around by life, would we? Because we just know we've got everything we need. So, why don't we live like that? Why don't we experience the kind of peace that would come from having everything that we need? If this is a statement of fact, Peter's saying it's true. He's not saying you might or you could possibly if only you would. No, he's saying it's a fact that because it came from Jesus' divine power, It became from his glory, his goodness, his perfection has earned for you, achieved for you. This is the good news. The good news is that there's nothing left that you have to do to get what you need. And man, that's an amazing statement that Peter's making. That means we've already got it and it's a gift, but why don't we live like we have that gift? One reason is probably because of what we need, right? That when we keep in focus that we have everything or what we're actually focused on, right? Peter says, you have everything you need to live a godly life. That's a little different, isn't it? That's a little different than I have everything that I need to live my life the way I want it. It's different than I have everything that I need to fulfill all of my hopes, all of my dreams, to satisfy all my longings, right? It's different than I have everything I need to make me happy. This is about God's plan, his intent, his will, his desire, not mine. So he doesn't promise that I have everything I need for my life. It's like opening up that dresser. Opening up that box for that dresser, and then, right, having all the parts that you need for the dresser, but wanting to build a bed. Right? Oh, but I really wanted a bed. Well, you have a dresser. So congratulations. You have everything you need for a godly life. This is a life that pleases God, is what that means. It's a life lived in participation in the divine nature is what Peter says. And that is a profound just even concept to think that we're living in relationship with God, that it's like we participate in the interaction of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this loving exchange constant between them, that we actually participate within that. And that's, that's a wild idea. I'm not sure I can even, and actually not sure, I can't wrap my head fully around all of what that means. But you have everything that you need to participate in that kind of interactive participatory relationship with the divine. Because it has come to you as a gift from Jesus Christ. And so why do we settle for lesser things? We settle for less than a life participating in the divine nature. I have everything I need for that, but you know what? I really want this. I really want to be comfortable. I really want security. I really want money. I really want success. I really want acceptance. I really want whatever this is. When God's saying, I'm giving you an invitation to know me this intimately, this profoundly, to participate within my power and my being. And you already have everything you need for that. So part of our, the reason we don't live like we have everything we need is because we're focused on a bed, not a dresser. But the other, thing, other reason is I don't think we actually know how to follow the instructions very well. Right? It, you've tried to put it together and you inevitably choose the wrong length of bolt for this thing and then you can't figure out why it won't actually finally press together. It's like, why don't they just make them all the same length? Never Never mind but we've got everything that we need, but we just don't know how to use it. We don't employ it in the way that it's intended to be, which is what Peter's now trying to get at in the heart of this passage, where he says very clearly that, hey, you've been given everything you need for a life that pleases God, for participating in the divine nature, and so now, for this reason, make every effort, every effort, To add to your faith, right, this trust, this belief that I've received everything that I need because of what Jesus has done for me. Add to my faith, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly, kindness, brotherly, kindness, love. Add these, make every effort to add these to your life. Now, I think some really important things to notice about these things Are those things that you can do? Can you do goodness? No, you can do good things. Can you do knowledge? No, you can learn stuff. Right? Peter isn't talking about a list of activities for you to do. He's talking about qualities to take on, to add to your person, to see an increasing measure within your life. And what this really effectively is telling us is that we actually need to make every effort to be transformed. Right? Because I don't know about you, but these don't always come so naturally. Like this takes some intentionality, you know, perseverance and self control. But see, God doesn't just want you to be busier, like doing more things. He wants to change you from the inside out, change me from the inside out so that every part of me, every aspect of who I am reflects who he is, that my participation in his divine nature overflows, that you begin to see it so that when you look at me or you look at one another, you look at the person of faith who's seeing these qualities in increasing measure, you're starting to see the reality of God in them. And you've known people like this, haven't you? And they are something to behold. Because you look at them and you kind of go, man, I don't know what it is about that one. It's weird. (laughs) But it's amazing. And you may not actually get them or or have a relationship with them or have anything in common with them and yet you're drawn to them, right? Right? There was this this lady at a camp that my family used to go to growing up. Her name was Ruth. And she was really old when I was really little. And so I, I don't know how old she would be today. But, you know, she was about yay big. She was a farmer. Like, I didn't have anything in common with her. And yet, every time I looked at Ruth, I saw something of Jesus. I saw his gentleness and his patience. I saw his tenacity and his perseverance. I saw his faithfulness, his prayerfulness. Every time I saw her, I was like, man, maybe I do want to spend time with you. Because it was amazing. And this is what Peter saying. Right? This is what your life can be like as it's transformed from the inside out where people see in you your participation in the divine nature of God, his character overflowing in your life, his mission, his priorities, his values, his longings, more of him and his divine nature, less of me, less of my agenda, less of my sinful nature, less of my willingness to settle for a life that's insignificant compared to the life that he intends for me. And all of this is, is really spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, and it's expected. Peter's not saying, hey, for you who are like really into this, I've got some ideas how to enhance your life. His assumption is if you have faith in what Jesus has done in Jesus himself, that then you are going to long to participate in the divine nature and if that's the case then here's how you do it you intentionally seek to make every effort to add these things to your life becomes the goal with intentional focus And, and you can begin to ask yourself am i growing that way Do you see these traits in increasing measure in your life? Have you changed in the recent past? I mean, we're not going to see growth day to day, not even week to week, maybe not even month to month. But if we're exactly the same as we were year over year over year, well, then we might be missing something. Matter of fact, Peter says, then... You might actually be nearsighted and blind, which is just kind of a weird, like, did you see, see those together? How can you be nearsighted and blind? It's like, which is it, right? <laughs> and actually, in the Greek, the word nearsighted could also possibly mean close your eyes or eyes closed. It seems like probably a, a better translation because he's saying you're closing your eyes and so you're blind. It's actually something you're choosing. You're doing that to yourself When you're not growing, when you're not making every effort to see maturity, to live into the fullness of the divine nature, then you're closing your eyes to the life that God wants for you. And so maybe that's why it's not working. Maybe that's why there's always this sense of, I don't ever have enough. I need more. I don't have what I need for the life that I want to live. Part of why perhaps we live in this churn internally, unable to find that place of contentment that God wants for us, because we've closed our eyes. And in closing our eyes, Peter's saying, you've closed your eyes because you've forgotten you've been cleansed from your past sins. And so if there is no growth, if there isn't the effort to see these things, these qualities added to our lives, then he's telling us it's because we've forgotten where we came from. We forgot our origins. We forgot that apart from what Jesus has done for us, man, we're, we're left on the outside looking in. But If we can forget that, then we can realize, man, there's no real claim on my life. See, because if we're honest about it and we remember where we've come from, we remember that apart from Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, then I am outside of a relationship with God. I am not participating in his divine nature. I don't have an intimacy with him and I don't have everything that I need for the life that will please him. Then we realize that I can't do anything to fix this, right? If we forget all of that, then we also don't have to acknowledge the claim that Jesus has on our life, do we? And God's going to say, sure, you can go your own way, but you might find yourself struggling to get everything that you need. Sure, you can go your own way. I mean, you can, you can turn... Away from me. Close your eyes. That's fine. But it might just continue to produce this churn. Man, if you remember. If we remember where we've come from. Then he tells us. Man, our lives can be effective and productive. There can be something good and beautiful within it. But it's so easy to forget where we've come from and think that no I got here on my own <laughs> even as people of faith sometimes as, as people of faith we go okay well I know I needed Jesus to forgive me so that I could get in the door but then I'll take it from here right? and, and actually some of us have been taught that you, you may have been taught along your journey of faith that you know, Jesus saves you Gets you in, but then basically it's up to you to do all the work from here. It's up to you to make all of the effort to make sure that you are worthy and perfect and, and that there's nothing, right? There's no cause to call you to question. And what we do in that process is so easy to, to start feeling good about ourselves because I make this progress and yeah, okay, good. I, I'm bringing these qualities into my life. I'm doing it. And we start to pat ourselves on the back and we... we, we Forget how far we've come because of the divine power at work within us. See, we can't actually bring all of this change into our lives without the power of God at work. One commentator I was reading this week said this. He said, one might as well try to use a computer that is not plugged in as try to become holy apart from God's Holy Spirit. Right, just think about it. Use any electronic. Right? Why isn't it turning on? Never had that moment? Hmm, it's, oh, it's not plugged in, right? See, to try to add these qualities to our lives, to try to become mature, to try to advance in productivity and effectiveness, apart from complete dependence on the Holy Spirit, is like trying to use those things that aren't plugged in. Because we are to be plugged into the Holy Spirit. To be plugged into the Holy Spirit is participation in the divine nature. Participation in the divine nature comes through Jesus' power at work within us. It's reminding us constantly that on my own, I will continue to choose sin. But God has chosen me and has chosen to put his power in within me. And so it is possible. But there's a humility because we remember, oh yeah, this is how far I've come. And I've come there because of what Jesus has done for me. And we realize he's got a claim on our lives and we want to respond to that. We want to do what he has called us to do. And you might look at this list of qualities and you go, but yeah, but I can't do that. You're right. (laughs) Perseverance, goodness, self-control, forget self-control, right? We just, we always want to leave that one out. You can't do that on your own, but you have everything you need, right? It's the Holy Spirit within you to to add that to your life. And so then what's left for us? If he's the power, then we still need to make every effort, right? If the Holy Spirit is the the electricity running through the cord, we still got to plug in, Right, And sometimes we're tempted to just kind of sit back and go, "You know, God's just going to do his thing with me, and so I'm just going to kind of keep going through the motions, and, and, and you know, eventually I'm going to get to heaven. And isn't that what it's all about? Well, Peter's saying, heaven's beautiful and it's great. But between here and there, make every effort to add these qualities to your life. Not so that you can make yourself, make, you know, make God love you, make God accept you, but it's to become like him, to participate in his nature. Growing up, I loved watching the NBA, and it's NBA playoff time, if you're into that right now, and it's actually been quite entertaining, but I my first memories of watching the NBA are, of course, Michael Jordan. Pretty much every guy my age, and probably woman my age, that's the first memories and I remember distinctly Michael Jordan playing in all the playoff series against the Utah Jazz in the finals and you know, I, I wanted to be like Mike, everybody wanted to be like Mike. matter of fact, Nike banked a whole lot of money that everybody would want to be like Mike and Gatorade coined the phrase, everybody wants to be like Mike. And they were right. And so I would go out into my driveway, and I would practice, and I would practice, and I, I would pretend, and I would do the things that I saw him doing, or at least I would you know, attempt to do the things that I saw him doing, and you know I'd get trampolines out so that I could you know, jump up and still miss slam dunking, but I would try, right? And I would drink Gatorade, and I always told my parents, if I could just have the Nike shoes, I could really get up there next time, and they weren't really convinced by my argument. But the thing is, I, I wanted to be like Mike, because he was a hero. And I wanted to make every effort that I could to be like him. Not so that he would like me. He didn't know who I was. But so that I could be like him. To honor him. Right? This is the same idea that Peter saying. Add these qualities. Make every effort to add these qualities to your life. You'll be like him. You'll participate in that divine nature. So what's your effort level like? How's that going? Is it just kind of staying the course? Or is it every effort? That word every is a real pain, isn't it? You know, if it just said make effort, you know, I could say, yeah, I'll make an effort. Sure. It's that whole every part. It's the, the total claim that God makes on our lives. He can make a total claim on our lives because He gave His total life for you. Jesus held nothing back to make sure that you had everything you need. He made every effort to the death on a cross so that you could receive the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out, that you could then be effective and productive becoming like Him living his plan and his purpose and his will for your life, not your own. And so in the process, Peter says that you'll therefore confirm your calling and election. What he's saying is, God's chosen you for this. God chose you before you chose him. But we don't always feel like right, that God has chosen us. And we don't always feel like he's given us everything we need. And so if you struggle with that, and if you struggle with where you're at with God, and you struggle with feeling like you don't ever have enough, and you never measure up, this is the invitation. You're responding to his love, his call, his choice of you by choosing to make every effort to no longer make your life about you and your goal and your priorities, but to make every effort to participate in his divine nature, in that loving relationship, to be productive in his ways. I think Peter's saying, as you do, as we lay that agenda down, we actually experience more assurance, more confidence, more peace. Why would that be? Why would that be that as we do this God's way, we would receive that peace? I think because if we don't, if we choose to live life on our own terms and we keep trying to, to do it our way and or we just kind of keep floating along, waiting until we get to check out, then the reality is we're having to figure out each and every day how to live. you feel that weight? I gotta, I gotta make these decisions and I gotta figure out what my life should be for and I've gotta, I've gotta figure out what's gonna be satisfying and productive and happy and fulfilling and I gotta do all this and that's, that's a whole lot of weight that I don't think I can carry. But when we confirm our election and our calling by choosing to make every effort to live God's way and live in response to his love for us, to to become like him, to emulate him and participate in his divine nature, he's telling us, yeah, that's what I made you for. There can be peace because you don't have to figure it out on your own. There can be assurance as he said, yes, that's it. And isn't it good? to hear him affirm our lives. Again, it doesn't make him love you. He already loves you. But man, wouldn't it be nice for him to say, yes, that's what I made you for. And if you want to hear that yes, then we are going to live in his rule and his reign now. Make every effort to put on these qualities and participate in his divine nature. Friends, let's pray. Lord God, we we have to acknowledge that we don't live like we have everything that we need. We are often unsatisfied and discontent. It's because we're trying to do it on our own, trying to figure it out on our own. Lord, give us the, the grace and the ability to give that up, to turn away from our agenda, to turn toward you. You tell us that we have everything we need, your Holy Spirit, through the divine power of Jesus. May that reality become more and more alive and may we respond to your presence and your power within us. Help us to make every effort to look like you, to live in your divine nature, to not settle for a lesser life on our own terms. And Lord, may we hear you say yes. That affirmation that our soul longs for as we participate in your love and love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.